Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Talking pigskin on NFL, cause football is really swell. NFL's great and there is no debate, he's gonna talk right now. Hi and hello football fans, it's your old pal Adam. Adam Rank of the Dave Damashek football program, that is right. I am in charge, I am under setter. There has not been a more misplaced person in charge of a team since Dieter Brock was leading the Rams in the 1985 NFC Championship game. And I'm hosting today episode 86 of the Dave Damashek football program because Dave Damashek, he's on location in New York City for NFL Fantasy Live. Claire, where is he? Can we get him on the phone? Can you wake him up? I will do my best. That's right. Oh, by the way, Blue Tie's here, too. So everybody's gone. We're, we're a rudderless we're, ship We're the almost. replacements, basically. We are the replacements. I'm like Shane Falco coming in, leading the team. Can we get Dave on the line? We can talk about this. Well, let's talk about what he's doing, though. If you are uh, anywhere near New York City, you've got to stop by the Best Buy Theater in New York, the Fantasy Live – well, the the, a- the the traveling squad of the NFL Fantasy Live crew is there. Dave Damashek's there, Michael Fabiano, Jason Smith. They're out there having a good time, enjoying all the sights and sounds in New York, getting you ready for your NFL draft, NFL fantasy drafts. We found him. Where is he? Dave Damashek is on the line. David? Hello, Adam. I'm listening to your work so far. Right out of the gate, terrific work. You got the Dieter Brock drop on me. Good for you. Yes, the (laughs) traveling squad, just don't take it personally. It was just based purely on look. (laughs) <laughs> That's how they decided who was on the traveling squad. So, so take no offense. It has nothing to do with your depth of football knowledge. Okay, well, that's fair enough. How is New York? How is it treating you? Well, the first thing, we're right in the middle of Times Square, right around the corner from the Best Buy Theater where uh, where the fantasy stuff is going to be going on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Like uh, like you said there, Rank, turn out if you're anywhere nearby, or even if you're not. Get onto a bus, train, or some other mode of transportation, and come pay us a visit, won't you? Uh, the first thing, though, in Times Square, they have a lot of lights here. And uh, all the people who you see walking on Hollywood Boulevard, looking at the stars, taking pictures of uh, Regis Philbin's name etched into the ground, it seems like they've also made the trip across country because those same people from uh, from foreign lands are here taking pictures. I literally 
In fact, I'll, I'll send it over to uh, to Blue Tie to put up on the website. Maybe um, I saw two tourists taking pictures at a standing phone booth. Apparently, they don't have uh, they they don't have uh, pay phones wherever these people come from. I didn't even know they had pay phones <laughs> in the U.S. of A. anymore. But literally, people taking pictures. A couple. First, it was the lady. Then it was the guy. Take pictures of me. I'm going to be on the phone in New York City. Very weird. And the other thing that stood out to me so far is one of those big lights um, here in Times Square is promoting Sister Act, the Broadway musical starring Raven Simone. Oh, wow. A girl from, uh, from Cosby Show. Officially, I am now old. Raven Simone <laughs> is playing the Whoopi Goldberg role in, uh, in Sister Act. Was there a big demand for that to be a stage show? Well, I didn't know that I wanted it until I saw the sign, and now and now I have tickets for every night that I'm here in New York. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Are you taking Fabiano? You guys going a little uh, double date there or something? Yeah, and then we're going to we're gonna get a milkshake afterwards. One one shake, two straws. It's going to be a great time. What's back, What's going on back in Culver City in the West Coast Nerve Center? Well, you know what? Everything, we're, we're going to be rolling along here. We're actually going to be joined. Actually, we're joined right now. The Around the League guys are here. Dan Hansis, Mark Sessler. Guys, say hello to Dave on remote. Hi, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hey, uh, Hansus, yeah, the, the Around the League fellas. Uh, terrific work. Lots of great feedback on the uh, on the Twitter and beyond about your contributions to uh, to the show lately. And uh, I've contacted, I hope you're okay with it, Hansus, I've contacted your mother on Facebook, and uh, we're, now, we're now kibitzing about your <laughs> performance and beyond. Uh, trust me, I'm, I'm monitoring this very closely. Wow. Uh, there seems to be a real connection between you and my mom, so uh, just uh, continue uh, kibitzing, as you would say. That's not creepy at all, is it? No, nah, it, it, uh, it seems good-natured right now, so I'm all good with it. I'm just staying out of it at this point, though. Now, I don't know if anybody, if you guys have seen this on the Internet, and I'm talking to the, the vast majority of people listening to us right now on the Dave Damashek football program, which is available on iTunes. I implore you to subscribe. Now, Dave, your list of the top 122 uniforms came out this, this week. We talked about it last week in Episode 85. The list is out, so I, 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 don't, think it's, I, don't, I don't think we have to worry about spoilers anymore. Uh, do you want to go over the top five for us? Well, counting it down, um, we have uh, at number five the Chicago Blackhawks, a, a classic. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, if you really give a good look to the to their logo, it's first of all, it's politically incorrect. I think in the 21st century to have a Native American head as your uh, as your as your logo. Fair and enough. So when you really give it a good look, it's it's quite effeminate, you know. In fact, we started doing that a couple weeks ago with the fellows. We rate, or at least with Hanzoos. Remember, we rated uh, Mona Lisa. Right, right. Collectively gave her about a six and a half, maybe yep. even less. Let's rate uh, the Chicago Blackhawk head right now. What do you give? What do you give? Let's assume it's a woman. What do you give her? Four. Four. Yeah, I'm, I'm going. Yeah, I could even mark her down even even worse. Yeah, it's like a three, three and a half, maybe. I'm thinking maybe five tops, maybe in the makeup and a nice cocktail dress. Five tops. Yeah, she's got a kabuki kind of uh, kind of vibe to her. And then at number four, you have. Uh, and by the way, sorry, Hanzoos, I couldn't include your New York Yankees. They didn't crack the top five. They Egregious. Are I admire them. Listen, it's not like it's um, um I, you know, it's, it's typical Yankees fans that they're not allowed because they're not number one. Then of course it's a slap in their face. You're six out of 122. No, and I take offense to that just because it's it's so easy 
to mark all Yankees fans down as just petulant brats. But there, I have a real reason for it is that their uniform is the standard bearer in terms of the first uniform that had numbers on the back. Uh, they've never changed it for 100 years. Uh, you have, as you pointed out, and you did give it a very high mark, I mean, but you had the, the classic pinstripes with the iconic NY, and then you have the road grays, which are intimidating and classic. And uh, I just think that when you're talking uniforms, if that that's not in the top five, there's an issue there. So I, I love the list, but that was the only problem I had, big picture. First of all, as I pointed out, it's an annual list. So it's not like the Yankees can't move up. It's it, Listen, what do you want me to do, lie to my eyes? <laughs> if you have an issue with the list, take it up with my eyeballs. I'm not going to yes. lie to them. Do you think it makes me happy who's at number one? Speaking of which. By the way, Dave, how is it that the Blackhawks are the best uniforms in hockey, but number one was who? All right. It was a lot of work. I, I was, you know, I was burning the midnight oil. Maybe I misspoke and said that those are the best in hockey. So. For the L.A. Dodgers, as we've discussed in the past, love the red number and the crisp whites. When you're sitting in Chavez Ravine, there's just nothing better looking than that uniform. Three and two, both the uh, the two Bay Area NFL teams, Raiders, classic, another team that's never changed its uniforms or hasn't really in at least 30 years, and the San Francisco 49ers. The wise move back to the Joe Montana era, look, gangbusters, and at number one, it disgusts me, but you know what am I supposed to do? Lie to lie to myself, lie to my eyeballs. I won't do it. It's the Philadelphia Flyers, my least favorite team in sports, the best uniform in sports. Well, fair enough. What do you feel about now? If you're familiar with NFL.com, around the league, very popular. You guys take stories. Uh, you you spin them forward, but you guys, it seemed like you were taking shots at Dave. Now it was cool when you guys were taking shots at me and. Your boss, Greg Easterbrook, was taking me to task for not having, like, documentaries in the top 34 movies of all time. That's you guys Greg are... Rosenthal, by the way. Oh, sorry, Greg Rosenthal, <laughs> whatever. Um, we have a new boss all of a sudden. <laughs> all I mean, right, Greg, Greg Rosenthal, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but, you guys, it, it seemed like you took some shots at Dave's, at Dave's list there. Well, I think we just, you know, it's it, up for fresh debate. We disagreed with... You, well, what's you, the most egregious, Mark Sessler? I, I, I disagreed with the Patriots being rated at 122. I, I think that Dave is a longtime uh, Steelers fan whose team has been disgraced a handful of times <laughs> on the big stage by the Patriots. So, bang, 122. <laughs> I mean, it's well, not listen, that... That, dis- would, that that argument would hold water if it weren't for the fact that I have the Flyers at number one. They've caused me plenty of pain, too. It's illicit. It's philosophically wrong to, to turn your back on the Pat the Patriot logo in favor of the Flying Elvis. And that was the reason for 122, barely edging out the San Diego Padres, who should be wearing the brown and gold. Those are at the glorious and distinctive color scheme. Instead, they now just wear blue. That's it. They just basically look like the Dodgers, their supposed arch rival, but a little darker. That's ridiculous. And listen, Kansas, Sessler, and the world at large, I encourage you to make your own list. See who gives gives a good, you know what, because you're not the uniform monitor. I am. And you know what? This very discussion of let's open it up and see what sort of responses hand deuce and have has put me off of this entire podcast i wish you all a good day i have better things to do in downtown nyc blue tie thank you for holding down the board i look forward to seeing you the rest of you in studio 66 less so i'll be back next week i bid you for now good day 
Bye, David. Yikes. Farewell. Sorry, Dave. You know, and since he's gone, <laughs> Blue Tie, I say this. Hit my music! Glorious. All right, now we got the Around the League guys here. I want to talk a little bit with you guys. I don't know if you're aware. Uh, it's a quarterback league. Mm. And a little thing, uh, a little segment we would like to start. It's a quarterback league. Let's go over some of the biggest quarterback news. You guys obviously are on top of this. And I'm going to start with Peyton Manning. Three picks during the preseason so far, two games. Is there cause for concerns? What do you say, Hansis? Uh, no, there there is no cause for concern. His statistics are not great. Three picks, two in the red zone. But uh, overall, the the big picture, it's been a huge success in, in the sense that he's healthy, his arm looks good, and his accuracy is as good as ever. I think he's top three in uh, in terms of completion percentage. So a lot of it's there. It's going to take a while to come back. It might even take a few weeks into the season. But I want to get too worked up about a few interceptions in the two preseason games. What's your outlook for the Broncos? What's a realistic record for them this year? I've said um, from the start when they brought him in, if he, if as long as he stays healthy, I'm I'm seeing eleven and five and a division title. Eleven and five and yeah. a division title. What do you say? Eleven and five, division title, more or less? Well, I mean, we were here a few weeks ago talking about that, and I I, let, I say less. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would just I, I agree with Dan about Manning. I thought that you know I, I'm not too concerned about statistics when it comes to veteran quarterbacks in the preseason, especially one that's coming back after the time he was away. Manning is getting back in the groove. I think it's going to take a month before he really builds that chemistry with his receivers. They're all learning that offense. I think we saw him rebound from a couple of those picks to lead some nice drives, move the ball. This is a, this is a quarterback that I'm not going to doubt based on three three interceptions in a couple of preseason games. Mm-hmm. Not Peyton Manning. Well, it seems like Philip Rivers. Everybody is is now saying that he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He had two interceptions against the Cowboys. So if we're going to afford Peyton Manning the opportunity of throwing three interceptions, should we give Philip Rivers the same break? I think so. I mean, again, that's this guy's time tested. This Rivers is one of the toughest quarterbacks in the American Football Conference. I. I the American, you just can't say AFC. The AFC mm-hmm. is really, it, Rivers to me, I, I, I'm i not someone who's down on him. Uh, again, I'm not concerned with his performance in the preseason. I think that losing Vincent Brown is going to make things tough on him. But young team, a lot of talent, and uh, Rivers, Rivers, I think, should have a fine season. One thing about Vincent Brown, a, um, a veteran uh, told... Uh, a reporter, I can't remember who the reporter was, and I apologize to him if he's listening to this podcast, but said that uh, Vincent Brown was the best wide receiver on the roster, and you know it was a big loss. So I'm, I'm not going to get too worked up about that because they still have weapons. Um, but th- as far as Rivers goes, I think he'll be fine too. I mean, he showed last year that you know he could dip into a funk and then come back strong. He had a nice last month or so la- last year, and he's one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. I think he'll be fine also. Yeah, you're underestimating Bobby Meacham. Right. If you play Good fantasy play. football, which I think you guys do, Bobby Meacham, he's had as many touchdowns the last three years than Vincent Jackson. Mm. Well, Keep in an in. offense that, I mean, he, yes, but he was in that Saints offense. But he was a part-time player for the Saints. True. Still managed to put up the same number, same production as Vincent Jackson. I don't think he's going to be a loss at all. When, can I ask one quick fantasy question? Sure. Where do you uh, grab him in a draft? 
Rivers or Bobby Meacham? Bobby Meacham. Oh, you can take him late. People are sleeping on him. Yeah. He's going to be 10th, 12th round, somewhere real late in your drafts. Do you play Do you play 10-team leagues or 12-team leagues? I play in a 10-team league, and I know a lot of people view that as sacrilege, but in my long... It's the standard on NFL.com, it should be pointed out. Right. I mean, I think uh, it depends, though. You know, 12-team is maybe the the challenge is better. But we, my league, we play two quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, which changes the equation a little bit. But uh, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, you're a Jets team. fan, and that's what you guys are going to do this season anyway, so it makes <laughs> sense. I don't know what he's saying. My league, Dan and I actually are co-owners uh, yes. of a team in that's what true. I call my league, which is the NFL.com league we're in. And we were horrendous last season, so we're hoping to... You guys are co-owners. Oh, yes, yeah. it's adorable, and I will. That's terrible. I, I get co-owners <laughs> in baseball; it makes complete sense because there's too many games. Fantasy football, you're like, you know, this is too much work. I can't. Well, I we can't do this. I think we might have beat Fabiano in a match we, last week. We beat Michael year. Fabiano, so things so, are going okay. Yeah, and Michael Fab, who I'm not familiar with that name. Self-professed I'm fantasy kidding. guru. Oh, self-professed. How dare you? Well, I don't know. He, we, you can't come in We actually he, we, we fleeced him on a trade and then four days later took him to town in an actual fantasy football game. So an actual non-game. That's the best. And I don't want any, you know, and I know a lot of people, nobody wants to hear about their own fantasy league. Like, hey, you know, the private, you know, the two inside baseball or two inside fantasy football at this point. But I think everybody in any league anywhere has the one guy in their league that everybody is gunning for. It's Fabiano in a lot of the leagues around sure. here because, you know, he is the face of NFL, NFL.com fantasy. I've got a guy in my league named Jimmy who I have to beat every year. It's If I don't win the title as long as he's he doesn't, then it's a good year. <laughs> it's uh, it, to bring the Yankees back into the equation here. Why are, wait, why? You know, because it's important to do these things. But it's like when the Yankees come into town, you know, the team that's playing, you always want to beat the Yankees. When Fabiano's on your fantasy schedule, got to take him down. You are delusional. <laughs> delusional. <laughs> Let's keep going with the quarterbacks. Uh, this is being taped on Tuesday. Russell Wilson is going to start preseason week three for the Seattle Seahawks. Is this going to be the guy who becomes the number one quarterback for the Seahawks, Mark Sessler? Eventually, I think that's exactly what they're what they're envisioning. I mean, they took him with a third round pick. Carroll loves this guy, and he and he didn't he didn't you know risk picking him in a later round. He knew he wanted him. They've given him equal time from the start. You know, we mentioned him in a post today that he's for all the quarterbacks we've spent so much talking time talking about. He's one that really deserves that attention right now. He's played. I do care about stats for rookie quarterbacks in preseason games because it's mm-hmm. the first time. They're playing against an NFL defense of any sort. He's responded really well. Matt Flynn, I think, has been up and down in Seattle. I think they'd like, ideally, for him to start the season. We all know what sort of chaos can occur, even by November. I think we're going to see Wilson. Now, full disclosure, Dan Hansis is a New York Jets fan. They have a guy on the Jets, and um, his name's escaping. Oh, Tim Tebow. Mm -hmm. Tim Tebow or Russell Wilson, who would you rather have? Um, I feel like this kind of question is presented to me every week by someone else, you know. But I, I think until we see how this Tebow thing unfolds, what kind of offense they're going to run with him, um, I want to see how it how it checks out. I want to see what happens. I'm not going to go crazy about Russell Wilson at this time. Um, and I think let's see how bad or how decent this Tebow-Sanchez combo can be. And then, uh, you know, we'll move forward from there. But I want to give this thing a season to see what happens. So, no, I would not take a trade. You would not take a trade? No. 
Isn't it fair to say, though, that Russell Wilson is a lot like TiVo, except he can throw? You know, you're making a decent point. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, Tebow's very strong, and when he runs in the rain, he's shirtless. And, you know, Russell Wilson doesn't have that. So if he had a stronger jawline and was seen running around with Maria Menounos, would he be more widely accepted? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Well, there's another quarterback. Con- I, I hate to call it a quarterback controversy uh, in Arizona because it's awful. You have John Skelton. You have Kevin Cobb. There's not a lot of options there. Who wins this thing? I think Skelton is the quarterback. The offensive line, number one, seems to just protect with more passion. I mean, did you watch that Raiders game? Yes, I, of, of course. I, mean, I, I don't miss a preseason game. As a matter of fact, you, you watch can, them all. You can watch, yeah, and you can you can subscribe on NFL.com. We have the preseason pass. Company but man. It, I, it did is, not, right? I did not set that up, by the way. That's a great setup. <laughs> I did not set that up. But Game Pass is excellent. Real quick, I think I think Cobb just he's played himself out of that job, and it's not entirely his fault. However, I think again, in a, with a better offensive line, we're not going to see much better of a quarterback. I, I, Cobb has lost me. Mm-hmm. Skelton is, I mean, his completion percentage last season was not impressive, but he's just someone that comes in there, energizes that offense, and moves the ball. I don't know what more you can ask. If one of these two guys is doing that on any level, they're the starting quarterback. It doesn't solve the, solve the bigger question in Arizona. That team has issues at the position. I, I think Cobb stinks, um, so I think that uh, Skelton's going to win that job, but I kind of think there's a decent chance Skelton stinks too. And the thing that I take out of it is that the Arizona Cardinals are botching having one of the greatest wide receivers, wide receivers of all time in his prime right now uh, in Larry Fitzgerald. And they have no idea. They're rudderless, it seems, in terms of their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fitzgerald has turned 29, or he just turned 29. And I don't see, you know, what direction they're going to go in. And I don't. I just think Cobb was just a devastating uh, acquisition by them because it kind of sets their franchise back um, some ways, especially if you don't buy into Skelton, which I don't. Mm-hmm. What about – well, I'm sorry. You're... Well, they, I mean, they did make a play for Peyton Manning. It, 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 like They, they right. must agree – the organization agrees with what you just said on some front. They went hard after Manning. They they weren't his choice. But they're not willing, I think, to just let Fitzgerald, you know, languish out there. Mm-hmm. What about this idea? We all saw on Monday night Nick Foles went out and had a really good game against the New England Patriots. What do you say the Cardinals package Patrick Peterson – and a couple of draft picks, and send them to Philadelphia for Nick Foles. Hmm. Uh, I'm kidding. That's let's, let's just say, yeah. Let's just say that. <laughs> I that's was about to not say, right, that, that's a little yeah. outrageous. Although, Thanks, Blue, at least Blue Tie got the joke. That's what happened. No, they gave although, him Rogers Cromartie and a couple of draft picks. That, can you that really w- trust that blonde, fl- flowing <laughs> hair? It's like Blaine Gabbert 2.0. <laughs> hey, Blaine Gabbert, wow. play, he played well this past weekend against the Saints. Two games in a row. Got nothing to say? Yeah, you say. Let's not forget, though. You know, I'm an AFC South homer. I don't. I don't really care about the Jacks. Andy Reid did say uh, last night that uh, Foles had two of the best games back to back that he's ever seen from a rookie quarterback. So let's let's pull the trigger on that deal and make this happen. Oh, they've got to be. Yeah, they've got to be like, (laughs) how can we dupe Arizona again? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They'll do anything. They'll just. They're so. They're so. uh, So hard up for quarterbacks. And they have been for so many years. They had Kurt Warner briefly. Well, Mark- if you're the Eagles, why are you trading away any quarterback behind Michael Vick that shows any ability to move the ball? I mean, mm-hmm. Vick, 10 games, maybe, 8, 9. The guy cannot stay on the field. 
Yeah, what's the thing? Like, Philadelphia, do they have a chance? Let's say Michael Vick plays nine games. Do they have a chance to win the division? Well, I think it all depends what happens with the quarterback play with the other seven games. Foles in two preseason games has looked good. I'm not sure he's going to look good when he's put on the field in the regular season against a defense that's blitzing and confusing him. I just wonder how long uh, Vick will be in Philadelphia if if this keeps up and he ends up having another season where he plays 8 to 12 games. I'm I'm curious if they bring him back or Reed or the organization decides internally they need someone more durable. Because they can get out of that contract right. relatively inexpensively after this season too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, he you know, I thought it was that that big money contract he got it seemed a little it seemed a little bit off to me, but the way that it was constructed, uh, they're not on the hook for it the way that uh, it initially seemed. Mm-hmm. There is Michael Vick's future. Is there any way that he ends up being in a similar role to what Tim Tebow's doing in New York? Let's say Philadelphia releases him. If you're the next team out there, would you be like, would you try to bring him in and be like, look, we're going to usually like the the Jets are supposedly going to be using Tim Tebow, use you around the goal line, have you run around? Does that seem like a feasible option? I don't think he's built for that. I think he's proven time and again. I mean, Tebow, one of the reasons why, you know, he's being groomed for this role with the Jets is that he's a beast and uh, he's strong and he can run people over. Vic has shown time and time again that if he gets hit, he's probably going to stay down and it might cost them up to, you know, three games, four games, who knows. But uh, so, no, I think if another team, I think another team would jump on it, jump on him very quickly if he ended up hitting the market. But uh, I think you're playing with fire, uh, turning your franchise over to him. Fair enough. Now, one of the big things, I say this as a fantasy enthusiast, I, uh, I'm against Shanahanigans. And if you're not, if you're not familiar with the, the hashtag that is sweeping the fantasy world, Shanahanigans refers to the way Mike Shanahan, the coach of the Washington Redskins, rotates his running back. He gives you a lot of misdirection. It's one thing if he wants to fool Andy Reid and not let Andy Reid know what he's doing, but he's, he's working over the fantasy enthusiast. You know, this happened last year in week six where he said, hey, you know, Tim Hightower, he's my guy. He's going to start. Boom, Roy Hallou gets all the carries. And it goes back and forth and all that stuff. And it's annoying. I say it's going to start spreading to other parts of Mike Shanahan's coaching coaching aspects. Like it's part of his coaching uh, philosophy or whatever. I've said and I've contended because this guy is bat crap crazy. (laughs) I've contended that Kirk Cousins will start a game for the Redskins this year for a reason other than RG3 being injured. Now word comes out that Kirk Cousins is playing really well. Is Our own Daniel Jeremiah was like, hey, is there a budding controversy here? What do you guys say? Is there any, is there any hope for my proclamation? Is there, is there any truth to it that Kirk Cousins could be a non-injury starter for the Redskins this year? I, I, I'm not going to go there because I think that they have invested so much in RG3, and they're not expecting him to blow the doors off this season. He's got to grow. Kirk Cousins is a classic. I mean, listen, I think he's a fundamentally good quarterback. But classic second-half rookie-type guy who's coming in and wowing everyone. This narrative happens every summer. I'm not, I'm not going to buy that he's a better player than RG3. It makes no sense for Shanahan to pull that move. I mean, he's done weird. stuff. Of course stuff. it makes no sense, he's but it's Mike Shanahan. He's done crazier <laughs> stuff. So, I mean, on the, on the spectrum of what, he, we, what he's capable of doing that's going to blow our minds, possibly. But, I mean, it would be one of the last moves he makes with that team. 
But it might very well be. Dan, you were laughing. You were having yeah. a good time. What <laughs> do think, you got? I think the only the only way that RG3 doesn't um, start a game for a non-injury reason would be if, you know, Kirk Cousins, simple-minded cousin, you know, kidnapped RG3 <laughs> and, you know, hit him away somewhere and Kirk was just, you know, slid into the role, which would be a pretty cool controversy, by the way. Right. Uh, assuming RG3 was treated How come well. that doesn't happen more often? Kidnappings. Like, <laughs> if, if Melky Cabrera's buddies can make a fake, you know, make a fake website for a fake nutritional subject, how have they not gone this far? I'm kidding. So there's no. <laughs> I love so, that website, by the way. Yeah, that's. It didn't it's work ingenious. out. Well, you know what? I say, you know what? You tried. Yeah. If you're not, you know what? You're busted. You're going to be suspended for 50 games. You're already labeled as a steroid guy. Why not? Just go for broke. Yeah, there's no way that MLB should impose a harsher penalty on the guy. Uh, they should actually be like, hey, good shot, bro. Ingenious. I would, yeah. I would cut it down to 40 games yeah. for, for being ingenious. And it would be a surprise, you know, that a guy who once played for the Yankees is, uh, you know, busted for oh, steroids. come on. You know what? Let's, though, <laughs> the final thing, and this is this will wrap it up right here. Who's going to be the better? Both Jake Locker and Ryan Tannehill were – elevated as starters this week for their respective teams, the Tennessee Titans and Miami Dolphins. Who's going to have the better year, Locker or Tannehill? We'll start with you, Dan Hansis. I am going to say Jake Locker, who had a, a year to groom. He uh, He's on a better team. Tannehill, uh, it's impressive that he's been able to um, change the coach's mind so quickly, or at least the organization is audible out of the plan of giving him a, uh, a slow kind of path to the uh, starting job. But I think Locker is the guy that is more prepared for this, and he showed last year that he did did some good things in limited playing time, and I think he'll do it again this year. Can't argue with that. I mean, I think Locker. You could, but well, no. I, I mean, I just I don't I don't agree that uh, Ryan Tannehill is being put in a good situation. I think again, it's you know they said all along we're not going to start this guy, mm-hmm. we're going to let him sit. We're the Dolphins. We're patient. No, you're not. Here we go. You're going to start this guy. You're th- but he has a history with my. Mike Sherman, the uh, offensive coordinator, because they go back to their days at Texas A&M. Is there not? Is it? Could it just be a, an instance where he did come in and blow them away? I think that's why we're seeing him progress the way he's progressing in that offense. But if the question is between Jake Locker, who was given a year to grow, a year to know his teammates, learn his get you know, get the respect of his teammates, and basically just become part of an NFL system. In a non-pressure way, like I, I, I take Locker. I also think he's just a better quarterback, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And to go back to the Dolphins, and you could actually uh, read about this in my weekly uh, Hard Knocks uh, recaps every. Uh, Where can we morning. find that, Dan? You can find that on the Around the League page or on the NFL.com homepage. Um, but yeah, basically, this job was probably Gerard's, and then he hears a crunch in his knee playing with his kids <laughs> in the swimming pool. And it really, more than anything else, it's kind of an indictment of Matt Moore, who doesn't doesn't seem like he ever uh, connected with this new coaching staff, who gave him the credit of being a guy that the team uh, looked up to or respected. But I don't think they that he showed this new uh, regime anything physically that they wanted to build around him, or even you know give him the keys temporarily before Tannehill was ready. After the owner months ago, you know, projected that Moore would be the starter. Right. I mean, a lot's changed in Miami very quickly, and I, I think that's part of the storyline. You're exactly right. Moore really did not do a bad job last season pulling that train wreck of a team out mm-hmm. of the fire. And the fact that he's not even really in this conversation says a lot. 
It does. You know what? And the same thing happened to him in Carolina. He had his chance to prove himself. Didn't work out. Same way, you know, his college career was up and down, too. He split time between Oregon State and UCLA. So it's just time. And you know what? And when you draft a quarterback in the first round, like they did with Tannehill, right? First rounder Mm -hmm. and in the first round. You know what? They're just going to go with their guy. And if the guy has any sort of uh, success... They're going to elevate him because they, nobody in the NFL waits for any for any longer. And what well, I'm sorry, no Tannehill and uh, Locker both number eight picks. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. This is why we bring you on. This is just a minor <laughs> little gem. Just to, no, no, no. Yeah. That's that. You know what? You blew my mind. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Although we are going to wrap up the segment. It's a quarterback league. Dick Banks, the one-man house band, has not made a, a sting for this one yet, but we've, we sure will. And all the great tunes and songs and everything you hear on, on this show, it is uh, thanks in part to Dick Banks. And thanks to the Around the League guys for coming on. We will bid you adieu. Thanks for coming on. And uh, where can we find you on Twitter, Dan Hansis? I'm at Dan Hansis, or Hansus as Damashek would say, D-A-N. H-A-N-Z-U-S. I expect your mother to be proud that I'm pronouncing it correct. And Mark Sessler, where can we find you? At Mark Sessler, M-A-R-C-S-E-S-S-L-E-R-N-F-L. Oh, that's right. Tell because me, we'll know yours because we'll see that big shield right there, right next to your shoulder. <laughs> NFL, just so you're not, you know, so everybody's aware. All right. And around, Adam, um, if you... Oh, please. If, yeah, if you talk to Dave, I just want to find out. I probably out. won't. Okay, but if you were, uh, if you could find out if... Uh, there are any Sister Two, Sister Act Two, Back in the Habit plot elements in the <laughs> musical. Yes, you know? th- that one's off Broadway. Yeah, people don't talk about the sequel a lot, but just wanted to find out. What, where would that rank on sequels? One twenty-two. If you're gonna see, <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna see a, a sequel, forget it. I'm done. <laughs> All right, get out of here. All right. Farewell, gentlemen. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for uh, for being here. We appreciate it. All right, the Around the League guys, always great stuff with them. And we are going to be joined shortly by another member of the NFL Fantasy Live team. Elliot Harrison will be here. We'll talk about his rankings. We'll do the blue list. I think the fans the fans love the blue. I think the fans love the blue list more than the black list. I don't know why exactly. You I don't know why? I don't know why. So you don't listen to the show? No. Is what you're saying. Black tie's a great guy. Let me is there is there a fire blue tie DDFP Twitter handle? I do not believe there's a fire blue tie. Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I want to get this correct. There's a Twitter handle Fire Black Tie. I just think that's Damashek trying to stir up the pot. You think it is? It's got well, it's only got fourteen followers. So it's not like it's sweeping the nation. But at flyer, at fire black tie. But, I don't participate in this. You don't participate in no. this. So it's not you. It's not my thing. Would never be you. I could never play for Rex Ryan and the Jets. I can't deal with this drama. <laughs> oh, no. That's on me. I can't allow that. Nope. I sincerely can't allow any drums. Well, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, no drums. It's all peace and love on my end. All peace and love. What about fantasy football? Let's get in a fantasy football tip. Now, news is coming out that Mike Wallace is going to return to the Steelers this weekend. And I'm I'm curious, why, why wait then? What is it? He's going to have like one last party before. He, if you're going to come this weekend, show up now. What, what are you waiting? I don't I don't get I don't understand why you're like, yeah, I'll be there on the weekend. I'm going to go down. We're going to go to Vegas. We're going to hang out. No, get in there now. You've you're you've obviously lost your point. I mean, you're you're going to sign the tender. Why wait to the last minute? He's making a fashionable 
fashionably late entrance. <laughs> it was fashionably late enough. Okay, well, my question would be, because I had Mike Wallace last year, and I did enjoy him on So you have fantasy. a fantasy football question. I do have a fantasy cool. football question. I do. This um, is what I do for I'm a gonna, living. I know, and I'm going to take advantage of the fact that you have to speak to me right now. All right. Would you take Mike Wallace over Antonio Brown if you had that option in your draft? Well, last year it started to go the way of Antonio Brown. He started becoming more prominent in the offense, and he's the guy I would actually go for this year. Mike Wallace, he didn't score a touchdown in six of his last seven games. He went nine consecutive games of having less than 100 receiving yards. So the numbers were already trending down. And now he's missed the full training camp, and Roethlisberger has already gone back, established a rapport with Antonio Brown, which to me, he's going to be the Steelers' number one receiver. Mike Wallace is going to be fighting Emmanuel Sanders for production, especially fantasy-wise. So if you're doing your drafts coming up and somebody wants to sit there in the third or fourth round and take Mike Wallace, laugh, or actually, you know what, stay quiet. And then a round or two later, you take Antonio Brown, and then you get in that guy's face. And you let him know that you've got the Steelers' number one receiver. I have to make sure that the rest of NFL.com doesn't listen to this podcast because I'm in a league with all those guys. Oh, you're safe. Okay, good. Especially if Black Tie's in that league, you're safe. There's no chance he'll be hearing this advice. Because he never least, he never listens to the show is what I'm saying. Don't cut me off yet. Do you have any? I'm not what, cutting you What's off. your team name? What is, what is, you, I'm sure I'm, you've got. I'm a little embarrassed to say it. Oh, I got to hear this. <laughs> a J cut above you all. Let that one linger. No, it's not that bad. Well, thankfully, Elliot Harrison is here to save us. Elliot, welcome to the Dave Damashek football program. Do not be alarmed that Adam Rank is only here. How's it going, buddy? Well, I think I'm doing pretty good. I mean, think this, you're doing well? This is like the NFL Marathon Day. It is, yes. for you and I. It is, yeah. For people who are unaware, uh, Ellie and I will be co-hosting on NFL Series. By the time this comes out, we will have already have hosted NFL Series. We were on the NFL Fantasy Live earlier today. Claire had a fantasy question. I know we talked about this on the show, but let's have your take right now. Mike Wallace or Antonio Brown? Well, I think you have to take Mike Wallace because he has the skins on the wall. But for me, the gap is so small. A, Antonio Brown proved to us last year that he could put up big numbers, although he didn't have a lot of touchdowns. Uh, The other problem is Mike Wallace's hamstrings to me. Now, I'm not saying he has an issue, but every time a receiver is not in camp and he holds out something like that, I'm using hamstring as basically a a symbol for something goes wrong. You know, they're not in football shape. And Mm -hmm. I just don't know that Mike Wallace – is going to be ready to just be the Mike Wallace of the last couple of years. I mean, I'm not saying he's not an elite athlete. It's just you're putting a lot of trust and faith in a guy who hasn't learned the offense. This is Todd Haley's new offense mm-hmm. and who hasn't been there. And meanwhile, you bring up Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown had a great year last year. What would you say? Oh, I said Antonio Brown. Just because the numbers, because <laughs> I was, as I said before, the, the numbers were uh, trending downwards. But uh, without further ado, what do you say, uh, Blue Tie? We do the blue list. Let's do it. The Blacklist. Black Tie reads current events. The Blacklist. Damn it, check and wake if they're coming. The Blacklist. The Blacklist. All right, well, hit us up. Uh, for those of you who uh, are new to the show, the blue list, it's our producer's uh, Q&A session with us. About the uh, not only the world of football and the world of sports, but beyond all sorts of news going on. So, uh, Blue Tie, whenever you're ready. 
Well, it was a, a odd week in baseball, I would say. Roger Clemens has announced that he will be back on the field with an independent team in Texas. Yep. He is 50 years old. So my question to you all is, are there any NFL players that could still be playing at 50? Well, it's interesting. I think that what Roger Clemens should do, he should follow the lead of Jeff Kent and go beyond Survivor. Like that, <laughs> that's more your speed. You know, you and Blair from Facts of Life, you can go compete on Survivor. That's what, that's what athletes are do, or be on some of the surreal life like Jose Canseco did. But when you talk about 50-year-olds, and Daryl Green was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he, and if you get a chance, go back and listen to it. He, he talked about talked about all this stuff about still being in shape. And I say Daryl Green could still play. And if you if you put it to me right now, I would say Barry Sanders also goes on that list. And a guy who still frightens me, Jim Brown. Jim Brown could still play, huh? I would think so. Let's see, Jim Brown's what seventy seven. He's got to like be. He is up there. Well. I got to say, my answer kind of got ruined. I didn't realize we were only going to go football players because I was going to say, I think Julio Franco could play in the NFL right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be. But, uh, oh, man, well, Franco Harris could not. No. Do you remember when Jim Brown challenged Franco Harris to a sprint? That's Yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah, that was because uh, he was afraid. Cause, news. Yeah, because Franco Harris was ahead of Walter Payton to, to break Jim Brown's record. Mm-hmm. And then Harris just kind of hit the wall. In his career, they ended up going out to Seattle, and but Jim Brown threatened to come back to the NFL. I think he <laughs> yeah. was going to play for the Raiders. Yeah, at forty-seven to, ex- to extend his career. Unbelievable. Okay, fifty-year-old that could play in the NFL. Well, you know what? With Vinny Testaverde's arm, I think Vinny Testaverde <laughs> could play in the NFL at fifty years old. I do. I mean, he, he was what forty-four when he made his mm-hmm. last start with the Panthers. He has got a cannon. He keeps himself in great shape. And quarterbacks are smarter. Right? They're smarter right. after playing that long in the league. I'm going to go Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde. That's a good one. So is that is that sufficient enough, Blue Tide? Do we, do we... I'll take that. You'll take that? I, mind you, most of these guys were... I was not born when most of these guys were playing. So Were you born when there was an NFL team in Los Angeles? I believe so, yeah. Was Kurt Cobain alive while you, during your lifetime? <laughs> yes, he was. Okay. Just want to just check where we're at. I'm not, I'm not that young. <laughs> All right. Okay, so John Gruden went on HBO and said, not surprising, that he's open to an NFL return. Of course. Where could you see him landing? Ooh, Elliot, let's start with you. What do you... Well, you know, I wonder what's going to happen with the Vikings. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Leslie Frazier is still, you know, relatively new in his tenure there, but uh, at the same time... You know, how quickly are they going to be able to turn it around? I think they're one of the weakest teams in the league. Adrian Peterson, as great as he's been, he's coming off an injury. And, you know, Adrian Peterson now, Adam, this is his sixth year, okay? It's not like the guy's a 23-year-old kid. He's been a violent runner. He's their best player. Jared Allen isn't getting any younger. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you have in Christian Ponder. I'm not saying Leslie Frazier is a bad coach. I could just see that going south fast. Why not John Gruden in Minnesota with a young quarterback and Ponder to develop? That's not a bad idea. I also, you know what? It's funny when you're talking about that and you're talking about Jared Allen not getting younger, Adrian Peterson not getting younger. I would like to see the NFL do more of those uh, trade deadline deals. Like if you're the Vikings and you're spinning your wheels, why not just trade Jared Allen to the Vi- or to the Patriots and be like, you know what? Yeah, you guys are making a run for the Super Bowl. Here's Jared Allen. We'll take a couple of draft picks. And some Julian Edelman's. Yeah, you know what? I would just, I would love to see that. I guess NFL teams turn around so quickly, and then a lot of, unless you're the Browns, you're not down for too long. 
I would like to see those draft like, oh, you know what, this team is a running back away. You know what, here's Adrian Peterson. What used to confuse us when we were kids because in the NFL, they just didn't have those kind of trades, whereas the NBA, you were trying to keep track of all these guys right. were playing on different teams. But then you'd get the NFL football cards, and when a guy had changed teams, Tops would just paint over his jersey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. They would, like, paint over his Eagles jersey. They'd paint, like, the Cleveland Browns. You right, know, like, right. You know, clearly something's good. Richard Todd's Saints card, I remember. It was clearly <laughs> painted over. Painted over, and they would have, uh, in the baseball sets, they'd have the tops traded. Yes. So the guys who were, like, Ricky Henderson Those was traded. Those were cool sets. Year. Cool sets, and then, like, all the rookies. Like, in 86, you had Wally Joyner, Jose Canseco. I, I want to say Barry Bonds was in the 86 tops traded, too. Danny Tartable, maybe? Maybe. You know what? Yeah, you get guys like that. But I guess, you know, we're not answering Blue Tice yeah, questions exactly. as we're getting off into a tangent. I've had people in the know, and I, if you don't know my background, I used to work, you know, covering the NFL, you know, as a, as a real journalist, I worked for the Orange County Register, Los Angeles Times, among others, and I knew people in the know who swore to me that John Gruden has been waiting for the Chargers job all this time, and that he's turned down six, seven, eight jobs because he's waiting for the Chargers job, and that he always just... Just hanging out there, lingering because you get Philip Rivers, you get San Diego. You, you you're in a low pressure. You're in a low pressure position because the charge. I mean, look, if North Turner can survive this long, it's obviously a low pressure job. Then he gets a chance to go back at the Raiders type of thing, and then that's the job that he's waiting for. And if the Chargers don't make the playoffs this year, as people are predicting, because the Kansas City Chiefs will be a little bit better. That's the job that'll be open, and that is very attractive to somebody. And plus, you know, A.J. Smith will probably be swept out too. So Gruden will be able to bring in Bruce Allen again, and they'll be able to try to recapture the magic down in San Diego. Are you you saying that John Gruden would be the face of the new L.A. NFL franchise? (laughs) Wow. No, what would happen to Jeff Fisher? Ooh. You think he'd leave St. Louis? No, Jeff St. Louis. You think they're going to bring the Rams? The St. Louis. Well, I'm I'm going to – I'm going to have to agree with Rank there. Not only would Jeff Fisher be the face of the L.A. franchise, he would be the face of my Conair mustache trimmer that I used to, <laughs> Absolutely. to He's had the do same my beard. hair for the last 13 years, and he still rocks it. He still rocks the mullet, I think. Absolutely. And if he comes back to L.A., and he's the coach, and the Rams are, the Rams are in L.A., Jeff Fisher's the coach, the mullet rocks. Oh, absolutely. That all the celebrities, you know what, he's you'll br- see him. bringing it. He, That's he right. Josh DeMell will grow out a mullet. <laughs> You're right. Josh Dumel. We're going to see Jeff Fisher all I'm, over TMZ. Is, wait, Josh Dumel, is Las Vegas still on the air? I don't know. One of the First of all, one of the greatest shows ever. And I love that there was no continuity in that show at all. And it was always strange to me. Like, there would be I – don't, I don't know why the, uh, the hotel security at the Montecito is trying to foil an Al-Qaeda plot. But it would always happen, you know, and then they would never they would never reference it ever again. Like, hey, wasn't it a week ago that the uh, terrorists were coming in here and Josh Dumel took him out with a Swiss army knife and James <laughs> Conn punched the dude like but th- th- nothing happened. Like there's no trauma, no nothing. Not even mentioned. If I'm allowed another little 30 second diatribe <laughs> like I did with the Richard Todd traded to the Saints card. Uh, some of the worst continuity ever is in one of my favorite movies ever. The original Terminator, mm-hmm. his hair Keeps going from that kind of Patrick Swayze parted, fluffed to the spike. Right. And then it goes back. You know, when he first, you know, lands on the planet and he walks up to, uh, is it Bill pa- uh, Paxton? Yeah, yeah, And the yeah. punk guys. 
and his hair is like kind of parted, that 80s cut. Mm-hmm. Then the next time, you know, when he's fixing his eye, it's all spiked up and it's like all Yvonne Drago'd out. Did you ever notice that? It's time travel. It's, it's and why? A, I'm sure it's explained, but he had, why does he have to go back when Sarah Connor's an adult? Why can't he just go back to where? Why doesn't he go after Sarah Connor's parents? Or why can't you find the lineage far enough? To where they're cave people or whatever, and they won't have weapons to fight you with. If Tom Hanks could go back and find the lineage in Da Vinci Code, I'm pretty <laughs> sure in the future Terminator could. Yeah, how smart were these robots? Anyway, so we say Vikings, we say, he says Vikings, I say Chargers. Well, since we're already on this movie train over here, mm-hmm. some sad news out of Los Angeles this week that director Tony Scott committed suicide, the brother of the infamous Ridley Scott. He was the director of such classic movies as Top Gun, Days mm-hmm. of Thunder, Crimson Tide. What is you all's favorite Tony Scott film? Wow. That's, first of all, he jumped off the Vincent Thomas Bridge is one of the ways I take to go home, which is really eerie now to think about. And you look back at his, in his movie careers, and it did give us a chance to reflect. And you look at, you know, you mentioned some of the great ones. He also did True Romance, Beverly Hills Cop 2, some other, just some great work. I don't know that it gets better than Top Gun. I think that's, I mean, that's one of the all-time classics. Yeah, Top Gun is, I, it's like that guilty pleasure. Like, mm-hmm. I always liked Rocky Two as a movie better than Rocky Four. but if Rocky Four is on, I'm going to keep watching it. The ultimate movie like that for me is Predator. If it's on, I don't care where it's on, I'm going to watch it. And Top Gun is like that. If it's on, I'm going to end up watching it. Even when they're playing that Berlin song and he's got, like, the day <laughs> date after the volleyball game, I still end up watching it. Uh, that said... You know, True Romance is pretty solid. Yeah. Like, as far as a good movie, like a movie where you're just like, this knocks your sock, socks off and everything, True Mo- True Romance is tough to beat. That's There's no other movie really like it. If you want to seem smart and you want to impress people and you're in a polite dinner party, you know, and you don't want to be too, you know, too too guysy, I guess, you'd be like, oh, yeah, True Romance, it's a great movie, and I enjoy it, but you're like, no, nah, seriously. I like Top Gun. Well, in that situation, I always go with the best of times, Kurt Russell and Robert Williams. Great movie. Dr. Death. That is a great movie. You know what, though? Uh, Top Gun, I got to tell you the story. I was at a, uh, there was a a casino that has a Top Gun video game that just came out. This was like a couple of years ago. And it has Iceman, Kelly McGinnis, and Goose. And there's no Top Gun on it. There's no Tom Cruise. It's like, how do you put this product out there? Like, who's pitching this thing to some company? Like, yeah, we got this great thing. It's going to have, oh, we got Val Kilmer's in. uh, Kelly McGillis is in. Like, okay, great, great, great. Uh, How about Tom Cruise? Oh, no, no, Anthony Edwards is in. It's going to have a flyby. Yes, but it's Top Gun here. That's that's my question. Like, how do you have it without the actual Top Gun? That would be like doing an Amish video game (laughs) for Witness. And having Kelly McGillis, yes. the dad, the kid, and no John Book, Harrison Ford. <laughs> How can you do that? No, Here's a Batman game. There's no Batman. <laughs> Enjoy. So I guess what so True Romance, Top Gun, those are Beverly Hills Cop 2. When, you know what, though? When you talk about sequels, pretty good sequel. Pre- pretty good. Would you put it in the top five sequels of Man, all time? I, I don't want to do it without saying without seeing a full list. Can we do like the Fantasy Cliff? Fantasy. You know how we always do the yeah, fantasy, the cliff? fantasy like, cliff. If you won't take this guy, where does it like you know? Yeah, where does it where does it where does it stop? Because uh, Jedi. If you count Jedi and some of the trilogy movies, you know, as as sequels, then those are in. But 
you know, like for ones that really backed up a movie and came back and didn't embarrass itself. Man, Bronson Pinchot. Oh man, that's well, then, then. In the spirit of Fantasy Live, I think we should do a round of quickouts on uh, <laughs> uh, best sequels. So, uh, Beverly Hills Cop Two or Temple of Doom? Temple of Doom. Beverly Hills Cop Two. Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan or Beverly Hills Ooh, Cop Two? Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan. Empire Strikes Back or Beverly Hills Cop Two? Empire. Come on. That was bad. Predator Two or Beverly Hills Cop Two? Predator. I don't even remember Predator Two. <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> so, it was Danny Glover. The, yeah, Danny Glover and uh, well, to bring it back, it was Bill Paxton. That was his yes. main main partner, and the Predator That's was right. was running around uh, <laughs> Los Angeles. Yes, yes, yes. With Mallrats, does Mallrats count as a sequel to Clerks? Sure. All right, Mallrats or Beverly Hills Cop Two. I'm going to go Beverly Hills Cop Two. All right, Mallrats to me of Kevin Smith's movie. That's one of the more underrated ones of Kevin Smith's movies. Did you see National Treasure Book of Secrets? Actually, not bad. Not uh, bad. As far I was as, surprised. You know, yeah, actually not bad. Should Blue Tie weigh in on that one? I know she saw How that. How many? Wait, hold on. Before, don't answer. She has a crush on the guy, Nicolas Cage's sidekick in that movie. Okay, the nat- outside of the National Treasure movies, those don't count. How many of those do you think Blue Ties have seen? Of I'm the ones say, that we just named? Of all the ones we just named, I'd say maybe two. If she, okay, you're, not, correct. Not, you're correct. Yes. If she had seen just one movie <sighs> of the group we just named, which one would it be? Not just oh, which one? She probably saw Mallrats. I'm gonna guess Star Trek Two: oh, The no, Wrath of Khan. No, she, what is it? <laughs> Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. No, that that has not been on my viewing list. Um, I have seen Beverly Hills Cop Two. Oh, good. Yeah, I have two older brothers, born in the '70s and '80s. So all right, all right. I was I was shown these things at an early age. Uh oh. It, just so you know, Blue Tie, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few <laughs> or the one. Go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry. No, it's good. What do we got? We still got more? We do. We let's get, let's get off this movie This is train. a good blue list, let's, by the let's way. Let's get off this movie train. Some people listening to this podcast want to hear about actual athletics. What? So maybe not. Okay, let's... Uh, Rank, let's go to your your, your struggling angels oh, over no. there. Let's not. Yeah, we're going there. No. Yes, we are. Not while there's a Rangers fan sitting here. Should the angels fire Mike Sosha? Oh, man. You know, you look at this season. I really, I, I believe that Mike Sosha is going to survive. The guy who's going to get fired is the pitching coach, Mike Butcher, because the pitching staff has been awful. They they blew an eight-run lead to the Tampa Bay Rays on Saturday. The whole thing that has started the slide was that 7-1 to one game. The Angels were up two games to O in that four-game set at Texas. We're up 7-1. to one. It looked like it was going to be a laugher. That game goes sideways. The whole season unraveled. The Angels are not making the playoffs. I'll say that. So something somebody's going to have to go. Mike Butcher is the one who's going to be fired because they've signed they've signed uh, Socha to a, a long-term deal that I think they will give him one more year. And then you know, then it's like, well, who are you going to bring in? You know, because you look at what happened to the Red Sox. They thought Terry Francona was a problem. They bring in Bobby Valentine, and now it's worse. And so, if you have a good manager, if you have a solid manager, you know what? Sometimes you just got to let these people work their way out of it. And you know, back in the day, you know, managers used to have a couple years where they would go through stretches where things just weren't working out. And it happens. They, they if they get rid of Vernon Wells, that 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 needs to be key number one. They're going to get rid of Vernon Wells. Torrey Hunter probably won't be back. You've got Trumbo, Borges, Mike Trout in the outfield. Pretty solid. I'd like this event. I just hope DePoto brings in a third base. Bring in a real third baseman. 
bring in some middle relief, figure out out of Jepsen, Jordan Walden, and Guy Frieri, who's going to be the closer. And then I think you're okay for next year. Which acquisition do you think has worked out the worst? <laughs> if you don't trade, if you don't do the Vernon Wells trade, you would have Mike Napoli. And and granted, Mike Napoli was playing in 2011 with uh, FU money. He was really trying to stick it to the Angels. He was, and in that World Series, he was unbelievable. He was going to be the World Series MVP. Yeah. So if you had Napoli in that lineup and you were batting him and you didn't have to worry about Vernon Wells, that's the worst one. Oh, and Granky's awful too. And I was on record. I said I did not like that deal. His final year in the AL was awful. He went to the National League, which, of course, you're in the National League where you're facing the pitcher once every nine times. Of course, your ERA is going to go down. It just has to. See, and I, I'm going to relate this back to one of the movies that we just talked about, Temple of Doom. You see, it's really easy to say that Temple of Doom stunk because of Kate Capshaw and get rid of her <laughs> for the third movie, which I think is what's happening to Mike Sosha right now. Look, he had the track record, Raiders of the Lost Ark, okay? The Vernon Wells deal is short round. Completely overrated. Short round wasn't nearly as entertaining as he was made out to be. I agree with you. Napoli, I I couldn't agree with you more on Mike Napoli. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then here's the other problem. Okay. You talk about Granky. Granky's like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Denholm Elliott, the older guy that plays uh, uh, Indy's buddy. Yes. He's terrible in the third movie. He's a great character for the series, but the way they used him, it stunk mm-hmm. in the third movie. So of sometimes course. you bring a guy into it, you know, into a new mix, a new film. And it doesn't always work out. I don't think the answer, as a Texas Rangers fan, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, who, by the way, are first with the 71-50 and 50 record, but who's counting? I don't think you fire Mike Sosha. I think Mike Sosha has always been the best manager in that division. Mm-hmm. If this is a bad year, how many franchises would take a 62-60 and 60 bad year? Uh, as a Ranger fan that lived through the 80s and lived through the early 2000s, as an Angel fan, Adam, who lived through the early 90s with John Orton as your catcher, Lee Stevens at first base, <laughs> and, you know, your best player being Gary DeSarcina. DeSar, hey, listen, DeSar was awesome. You know, that 95 team that fo- and that folded. That folded. It was DeSar's injury that cost them. Right, and we both lived through Mark McLemore, <laughs> although I like Mark McLemore a I lot. Liked him. I liked him, too. But what I'm saying is 62 and 60, you know, the sky isn't falling. Mike Sosha has been one of the most consistent managers. I think you take a page out of the Jerry Sloan book, a page out of the Titans with Jeff Fisher, you keep the guy. That's mm-hmm. what I say. As a Ranger fan. As a Ranger fan. Speaking of disappointing teams. Mike so you're saying this is a disappointment. You're just piling on today, Blue Tie. I'm just. I'm, She's a negative I'm, Nancy. It's my first I time working with her. not a negative She's, Nancy. <laughs> I'm just trying to contribute some more. Last week I was called out on my lack of contribution. Um, well, there is there are no such calls this week. <laughs> okay, final question. What, who are some of the biggest team disappointments of all time? Well, I mean, in just recent history, you, uh, this Angels team is going to rank right up there. Last year's Eagles team, that, that dream team. I'm going to stick – I mean, I'm I'm drawing in from teams that I rooted for. The Lakers team with Carl Malone and Gary Payton, huge disappointment. Although, it's hard to label that one as a disappointment because had Carl Malone not gotten injured, they would have gone on. They would have beat Detroit. There's no doubt in my mind. So, of course, Detroit's won two championships because Lakers have had injuries. 
But on the on the flip side, Carl Malone didn't win a ring, so that's still kind of cool too. As a Lakers fan, you have that kind of house money to be like, you know what, we can go a year without winning as long as Carl Malone doesn't win. Like that's fair. Uh, you know what? This year's Kings team was was very close to being on that that cliff of teams that were disappointing because they looked so good in the beginning and then faltered, but then obviously we all know what happened. And that's the one thing, and I keep telling my friends and I when we're texting at night when the Angels are blowing another lead, that's the one thing that we keep clinging to, and it's not necessarily like, oh, you know, it, it's uh, it's not one of those things of like, uh, let's just go and enjoy the Kings DVDs and watch them and enjoy what happened. It's like, let's take a lesson from that because it looked like the Kings weren't going to make the playoffs, and then they snuck in and they got hot, and then they went crazy and they won the title, and it wasn't even close. And so the Angels have that kind of team that if they were able to get into the playoffs, they could certainly get hot, go nuts, win the whole thing, and we would be forgetting all this stuff. So I'm not ready to put them there yet. I'm not ready to close the page because I'm a fan, and I realize it's irrational because they would have to play so well down the stretch. Can I take one that I think you might say? Go ahead. I want Because I want to talk about this team. Okay. And I'm going to say – I'm not going to say the Eagles because that's stupid. I'm gonna say. What about '94 Cowboys? <laughs> How did you know I was gonna say I just, that? I just know that you. That's where you're gonna go. Let's talk about this team. Let's talk about this game because it fascinates me to no end. Uh, this whole situation. You talk. You talk about getting rid of a coach. Talk us through How as did a you fan. Know I was gonna because say that. It's, a, it's such a big thing in history to me. We would have seen a team win four Super Bowls in a row. Uh, it's to me. It is the. One of the most underrated eras and times and teams in sports. It was the year of the salary cap, first year, 94. Mm -hmm. It was the year after free agency. That was the year after Reggie White was the first big signing, you know, after the Freeman McNeil uh, court case came to a uh, an end. That 94 Cowboy team, they hired Barry Switzer. Mm -hmm. They, Adam, they didn't fire any of the staff. So it's all the, Everybody it's all up. the same dudes. The only guy that left was Norv Turner because he took the Redskins, Redskins job. job. So the new offensive coordinator was Ernie Zampezi, who, oh by the way, <laughs> who was, was his mentor, pretty doggone good, exactly, and had earlier been with Eric Coriel. So you have this. Well, yeah, that's right. And, and Norv Turner was them was there too. Yeah, right? it's, it's unbelievable how loaded this team was. So Barry Switzer inherits staff that none of which is his own, and the team. Despite having – they went from Jimmy Johnson, who literally was a taskmaster with them and mm-hmm. did not loosen up, to uh, to Barry Switzer, who's like, hey, I'm just going to let my assistants coach, and I want my players to have fun. Completely different vibe. And there was somebody that said this. I don't agree with it. But somebody that said the tribute to how good the 94 and 95 Cowboys teams were is that they won in spite of their coaching. <laughs> That's how good they were. Uh-huh. And you're right. They would have been the first team in NFL history to three-peat. Right. They play the, in the Super Bowl era. And you just tell me if I'm vamping too long here. Just no, cut no, in. no. I, cut I'm in. fascinated by this team to no end. Right. So they come in. They go into Dallas. 94 Cowboys go 12-4. and four. They go into – they play Green Bay in the first round of the playoffs. They absolutely destroy Green Bay. The Packers couldn't hide Terrell Buckley in coverage. They destroy him. They go out to San Francisco, okay? Mm-hmm. Larry Allen – ankle is so bad he's playing on one leg eric williams car accident er- eric williams car accident eric williams best right tackle in football at that time mm-hmm. okay and yeah larry it, allen was just the guard right yeah larry allen was a rookie out of sonoma state that nobody knew anything about who had gotten pressed into service and then uh, emmett smith has bad hamstrings 
They go out to Candlestick. The field is just an abomination. I think Jason Garrett called it just a, a sticky pile of mud. It was Obviously just, not covered during the rain that no, week. No, and the Cowboys were, were ticked about it because they had the speed advantage. And first offensive series of the game, uh, Troy. I talked to Troy Aikman about this play. Eric Davis, our NFL AMs, Eric Davis, same guy, baits Aikman and throwing the ball. Aikman sees Davis's number. Running, he sees the back of it, so he lets the ball go, and then all of a sudden he turns around, pick six, it's seven nothing. Next drive, they convert a third and eighteen to Michael Irvin. He fumbles. Forty nine er score, fourteen nothing. Ensuing kickoff, Kevin Williams fumbles the ball. Forty ers get it. Twenty one nothing on the road on a muddy field against a forty ers team, Adam that had essentially been built by Carmen Policy to beat the Cowboys. Pretty good team. Pretty good so team. So you're not losing to a bad team. Unbelievable. So and then after that, if they you come take back. A, yes. They came back. So it's 38-28 in the fourth quarter. Oh, no, 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 no. You're, uh, you're skipping uh, uh, over uh, a key point. Okay, go ahead. Cowboys get the ball. Less than a minute left in the first half. Yes. Oh, this is brutal. They take three shots. They're brutal. down by 10 at this point or seven? Okay, they are down 24-14. Yeah, okay. 10. 10 at this point. Yep. You know what? The 49ers probably would have conceded. Yep. You know what? Just run the ball. Run Emmett Smith, Smith into the pile three times. Yep. I like that. So not only do you do – so you don't do that. You throw three passes. Yep. And then you put Larry Brown, who will eventually one day become Super Bowl MVP, you leave him on single coverage with Jerry Rice. Brutal. I mean, it, it's so painful. Uh, I've researched this game ad nauseum. They hit Larry Brown with about 14 seconds left on a 30-yard uh, uh, fly pattern at the corner of the end zone. One of the best throws I've ever seen in my life by Steve Young. Incidentally, yeah. you're right. Three straight. Uh, Barry Switzer says be aggressive. So Zampezi calls three pass plays. After the first incompletion, they should have run it into the line. It's yeah. like, okay, we took, a, we took a shot. Let's make you use your timeouts. Let's just run the next two. I'm okay with the first down throw. I'm okay with it. All right. Mm-hmm. So now, instead of going in 24-14, where you fought back from 21 nothing. first of all, the 49ers would have been happy with the 10-point lead at home. Absolutely. Right? Dallas would have been happy, like, hey, we couldn't play any worse than we did, and we're down 10 down to these 10. guys? Come on. Instead, it's 31-14 at half. They still almost come back, Adam. <laughs> they still, that's how good this team was. It's eight minutes left in the game. They uh, Aikman gets Irvin on Dion, who, by the way, Dion had a lot of trouble with Irvin. Absolutely. Irvin, who's already had like 198 yards in this game, declared jihad on the entire San Francisco <laughs> secondary, okay? They get him in single coverage, and Sanders arm bars him, okay? Oh, yeah. And this is like like uh, it's like second and 15 or something. They don't call the flag. Barry Switzer bumps oh, yeah. the ref. He does like the little like Which the little he, he makes, dance. And he makes a reference to that in any given Sunday in his cameo. <laughs> he bumped a referee. Yeah. And so now it's third and 25, and that's when Alvin Harper decides to catch his first ball of the game for 10 yards. That was great. Cowboys lose 38-28. Mickey Spagnola, who's covered the Cowboys since 1984, uh, told me in that game that he was standing on the sideline, and even with a minute to go, those guys are yelling at each other, line up, line up, you know, trying to the bitter end to win that game. And he said that that game really showed the character of those teams. And you remember, those teams were always thought of as troublemakers. People think Mm -hmm. of Michael Irvin, Eric Williams' car accident, but those guys had a tremendous amount of pride. And uh, Brad Sham, who calls their games play-by-play, wrote that it was the best loss. 
And of course, the next John year, Madden just kept talking about how they went down like champions. Exactly. And then they they uh, the next year they came back and they beat Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could have won four in a row. The thing that upset me is that Larry Allen is playing on a bad ankle. He has to play right tackle. He's played right guard the whole year, right? Exactly. Right guard to right yep. tackle. And at the end of the game, the 49ers were switching defenders so guys could take turns beating him and trying to hit Troy Aikman. And I remember I was so – and I was, full disclosure, I'm a huge Troy Aikman fan. I was a fan of his when he was at UCLA. I was so upset. And I grew up a fan of the Rams, so I hated – I actually hate the 49ers more than I hate the Cowboys. And that's saying something. And I was so mad. I thought it was so – I'm like, oh, you guys, you know what? You did – you should do that because you're not a better team, and it always annoyed me. And I always thought, like, in in all of sports, when you look taking away your own teams, I know because, like, personally, I'm I always lament the '95 Angels, the the 2005 Angels is one when I look back of one. I know they lost in 2009, but 2005 when they had Kelvin Escobar in the bullpen and they lost to the White Sox, that was the one that I felt like, God, that's the one they should have won. Um, the 85 Rams, and if I didn't already have a Dieter Brock drop earlier today, this is where I would have brought that up as disappointment teams because I really thought that because the Bears struggled in the playoffs that the Rams could beat them because the Bears, Mike Dicka was not a good playoff coach, and this is fact. I'm not telling you anything that of course. nobody – you obviously already know. But that 94 Cowboys team is – of all sports, of all bitter dis- – of all bitter disappointments, it has to be that team. Because I remember Jerry Jones once contended, I can find 500 coaches who could win with this team, and he went out and found number 501. A guy who had been sitting on his couch, who hadn't coached since since 88. and Even Dave Wanstead. Yeah. He would have won, right? Dave Wanstead, yeah, and he, you know, we talked about departures. Norv Turner was the only guy to leave that year, but Dave Wanstead had left the year before mm-hmm. to coach the Bears. That's right, because he left in 93. Exactly, and that's when uh, Butch Davis became the Cowboys defensive coordinator. And, and then, then Tony Wise was already gone. Yeah, and Campo took over for, for Butch Davis. But one thing I wanted to say, you talked about the pass rushers taking their turns. Taking Aikman got knocked down 20 times in that game, 20. Yes. And... Uh, it was Tim Harris and Ricky Jackson, both who were on their last legs as NFL players. But the Cowboys had a backup lineman named Ron Stone, who ended up becoming a Pro Bowl player. With the Giants. Yes, exactly. Played the Niners and Giants, who they could have put in there to play for Allen. And I heard from one of the teammates he wasn't ready to play. That was a question a lot of us had. Why don't they just put Ron Stone in? At this point, Allen couldn't do anymore. Lost him the game. Who is who would have been a, a nice like uh, college coach that who could have, like trying to think of who could have coached that team other than Barry Switzer that's that's got to be one of Jerry Jones's biggest laments is not finding a de- I mean I know they won but who the could following step into year. that situation I mean it's tough for a coach don't you think to walk in and this it's like hey you're gonna have to inherit the staff mm-hmm. you don't get to bring in your own guys because that's the way it was going to be and Jerry knew that Barry would be fine with that. And, you know, they had a pretty good staff. I did want to throw this out to you, though, while we're just naming that you were citing these teams that were the biggest disappointments. Let me just throw out the 2000 Rams, who uh, barely made the playoffs, played a road game in New Orleans. Oz Akeem fumbles the, the punt at the end of the game. They, they tried to come back, and the, two, the 99 Rams were not even able can to we, get out of the first I round. Know Dave, I know this is Dave's show, but can we refer to them as the St. Louis Football Club? Yeah, St. Louis Football Club, who won Thank in 99 you. and then in 2000 couldn't even get out of the wild card game. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, made it in 01. There's no reason they shouldn't have made the Super Bowl in 2000. Tell me they couldn't have beat the Giants 
in the NFC Championship that year. Same thing, though, right? Because Dick Vermeil retired. Right. That was that was a he was. They told him to step down, right? So Mike March could be the coach. Well, you know, and then the jury is out on whether Mike March was a good head coach or not. Uh, I'll I'll defer to you on that one. I always made fun of him because obviously I don't like the St. Louis F- FC. I always made fun of him, and then I felt really terrible when I finally met him at NFL Network and found out what a great guy he was. <laughs> like a real nice guy, like engaging, a really sweet guy, and you're like, you know what? I had a blog for the longest time that made fun of the, the Raiders and the FC, and I feel bad for all the stuff I said to you. How about the uh, 86 Miami? About you, I should say. How about the 86 Miami Hurricanes? Was Vinny Testaverde lost to Penn State, correct? Yes. That was a really loaded team. No one it's expected true. them to lose to Penn State. It's You know what? I'll, you're not saying anything that's wrong. And I think we went on long enough. Blue tie, what do you say? That was... I'm going to be honest with you. You, you, you guys, checked out. You guys lost me like 12 minutes ago. You checked out a long time ago. That's fine. The football fans will enjoy it. Absolutely. And, and I think I'm noted for not being a real big football talker kind of guy. I hope you don't mind me cutting you off, Blue Tie. I'm going to I'm gonna call the blue list right there. Great job. I think of all the lists, black or blue, that was the best one that we've done. But I do want to carry on a tradition that Dave Damashek has started here where we count down the episode we, we look at the episode number and the player who wore that number best this being episode number 86 elliot harrison i know you probably have some thoughts i have some thoughts i'll throw a couple of names out for you of all-time 86s if you have more to add please do uh heinz ward would be the obvious one with dave damashek i thought we we're gonna leave him off <laughs> butch butch johnson uh buck buchanan i will say this though buck buchanan that's a fantastic one i will say this though i was not here for episode 74 or 75, uh, some things happened. <laughs> and uh, there was no Merlin Olson. There was no Deacon Jones. No, I said Deacon Jones. I was on episode 75. So things aren't looking good for Heinz Ward, but I will give you a chance to bring somebody up, anybody you want to name. How about Stanley Steamer? Stanley Morgan, New England Patriots mm. wide receiver, long time, one of the best deep ball threats of that era, he and Wesley Walker. I would say maybe James Lofton as well. Uh, James Lofton definitely, but Stanley Morgan was the '86 that I always remember. Tell the story of watching the game of the Speedsters. You have the oh, game oh, on tape. Yes. So Brian Baldinger, our analyst here, he uh, I asked him one day. I was like, well, "What was your favorite game as a pro?" And he says, "84. Uh, I was with the Cowboys. We had to play New England on Thanksgiving Day, and I had to start at right tackle." And so I got a copy of the game, and sure enough, the entire Cowboys offensive line, they're all starting at positions they never play. Mm-hmm. And they're showing in the pregame. They're talking, you know, you know, on Thanksgiving always has the long pregame show and everything. They start talking about the Patriots receivers. It was Stanley Morgan, Irving Fryer, Stephen Starring, and I think uh, Cedric Jones. All of them ran sub four four fives. And what makes me laugh is that we think we always talk about, oh, the game is bigger, faster, stronger. So bigger, much faster. faster now. Yeah, really? Name me a team right now that has four wide receivers who can legitimately play. I'm not talking about a guy that just plays special teams, but a guy that four guys that will catch at least 20 balls this year that all run sub four four fives. Can't do it. I don't think there is one. You can't do it. All right. So you know what? In honor of that, 86 goes to Stanley Morgan. I made the executive decision. I hope I'll be around for episode 87, but let's wrap this up right now. I'm going to say for Elliot Harrison, for the Around the League guys, Dan Handis and Mark Sessler, Dave Damashek joined us from New York City earlier in the show. For Blue Tie, who did such a fantastic job, the blue list was outstanding. Thanks for everything you've done. 
My name is Adam Rank. Thank you for joining us. As Dave would say, it's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. 